0: I promise you that's the last one of those you guys will see. Uh, Merry Christmas, Victory Church. How you doing? Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and uh, again, it's just such a blessing, as as Hodge said. Uh, Me and him have become very good friends over the past year or so, and, and a lot of that information was new to me, and I get so blessed to hear stuff like that because... Um, As I've said over the past couple weeks, I think it's important for us, especially as believers, to be able to approach a season like this. And, And not only do we want our families to enjoy Christmas and obviously focus on what it's about, but also be overwhelmed with gifts and just family time. But it's important to make sure that we do all we can to make sure that people who might not be able to have the kind of Christmas that we could would be able to. People who are just finding themselves in an unfortunate season. And, and I've talked a lot over the past couple weeks about our end of the year giving, our purpose prevails. And as a church, what we do, anybody who, who we encourage, if you already tithe and trust God with you, your finances, we encourage you to look back on the past 365 days or so. You know, I know we're not quite there yet. And, and look at all that God's done for you. Look at how much God has blessed you in this season and then turn around and pray and ask God, how would you like me to be able to give back towards what you've done in my life and, and do kind of an end-of-the-year offering? Uh, and then we take that end-of-the-year offering and we're able to set forward vision for the next year. We're able to do, check this out, we were able to partner with the Why this year in the end-of-the-year giving or, or in the Christmas because of those that gave in the end-of-the-year offering last year. And so we're able to take that and cast vision towards the next year, which is why I was able to look at Hodge and with confidence say, hey, man, we can do this. Like like victory, here's the part victory can play and be able to set kind of a, a starting motion to that and then to watch the YMCA board and the YMCA YMC, members be able to step up and say, we can, we can do something too. And we watched as that thing continued to grow, to grow. We had multiple members of our church who said, beyond what the church is giving, we want to give even more. We want to do even more. And we were able to make that kind of impact. And so it's exciting. I was just sitting right there smiling ear from ear uh, because I know, you know, the preparation that went into this. I know the vision that Hodge has and what he's doing, incredible work there at the YMCA and it's exciting because I know the vision that we have, church, to be an impact outside of these four walls. Um, I, think I, I, think I'm, I think I can be right and say this with confidence, that as much as we love what we're doing right here every Sunday morning, people's lives that are being impacted and kids that are being impacted, but we also love to do something outside of these four walls. Um, somebody asked me one time, they said, what, what is the ultimate goal of Victory Church? He said, are you trying to to become a mega church. Like, what's your goal? And I said, no, that's not necessarily my goal. I mean, I'll do whatever God has in store for us. But I said, I think my goal is this. I want to be the kind of church that if something happened to our church, our community would be so upset about the idea of being without our church, that they would do everything they could to make sure that they didn't lose our church. And that's what I think it should be about. I think it should be not only about people being saved and those kinds of things, but I think it should be a community that says we are so impacted by the impact of that church that we can't lose that church. And so again, I just want to, as we get ready, you'll have one last chance during Christmas Eve, but I just want to encourage you to be praying about your end of the year offering. I want to encourage you, if you call victory your home and you haven't, uh, begin to trust God with your finances and tithing, I want to encourage you to pray about that. And just ask God where you are. Again, we we will never pressure you to do anything financially because the Bible says you should be a cheerful giver. It's hard for you to be cheerful and be pressured at the same time. And that's why I always challenge you. I'll never ask you to do anything, but I challenge you to talk to God about it because if you can spend time with God and ask him about your finances and he doesn't move on your heart, then don't do anything. But if he does, listen to that prompting because I'm telling you God's going to do something amazing in your life financially. Uh, I said this last week. I want to say it again. At every person I know that trusts God with their finances, I've never heard them say, that's a mistake. I've never heard them say, man, I regret doing that. They always say I'm blessed. And yet every person that doesn't trust God with their finances, I hear the same testimony. I can't afford to. And at some point, we have to start allowing the fruit that's on the tree to, again, speak to us about what we're doing in our financial life. I know that is, for some of us, this is a fun season financially. Maybe, you know, bonuses or whatever it might be. And for some of us, this is a very stressful season financially. And regardless, if you're excited because you've got kind of an uh, over amount or whether you're struggling to even figure out how to do what you want to do, ask God to be involved in your finances. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. As you're turning there, I just want to kind of set something. We've, we, we've been in a series called Christmas at Victory. And, and next Saturday, as Brian spoke, we'll have a Christmas Eve service with a little short message. Uh, we'll have some great music, some communion, candle lighting, just a great family time together. But, but today, I'm going to bring this series to a close. It's been a three-week series. It's called Christmas at Victory. And uh, I was praying over the week, and I said, you know what, Lord? This, is, this whole series has kind of been like a gift set if you say you know you know how during this season you're going into the department stores and everybody has like these gift sets it's multiple things put together and, and you can purchase it at one time and, and that's kind of how it felt like the series was and if if I understand that we're in that time of the year where you're traveling and people are sick and so you might miss one or two of the messages do me a favor go back and listen to them because when you listen to all three of these messages together I really think they set the tone of where we are, not only this year, but going into next year, because it's from the different perspectives of people in this season. So week one was looking at Christmas from the perspective of John the Baptist, and we came at it from this angle of unmet expectations, like what do you do when what you pictured isn't actually what you're experiencing? And then week two, we talked about Christmas from the perspective of Joseph, Mary's husband, And we talked about how you can be a believer and still have doubt. And I talked to so many people after service last week who really needed to hear that concept because we had been raised from this idea that if we have doubt, then we must not love God. But that's not what Scripture says. In fact, we can both believe in God and still have doubts. And I just thought that was a really encouraging day. And then we're going to bring it to a close here today. and We're going to look at Christmas from the perspective of Mary. And I want to talk to you for a moment today about this idea of us feeling unworthy, that God would have a calling and a purpose for our life, and yet we would feel unworthy. So if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 26. We're going to read through about eight verses, and then we'll get into the Word today. So if you're there, Luke chapter 1, New Testament, uh, read along with me. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Joseph was a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We all understand that this is Mary, Jesus' mother. The angel went to her, and the angel said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel then answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One that will be born will be called the Son of God. I want to share with you again this morning from this idea. Am I qualified for this? Am I qualified For this. Uh, This past week, Darla and I, uh, our Christmas present to one another, my wife loves the Universal Studios theme park in Orlando, Florida. And so our Christmas present to each other was to go away and spend a week there without kids, right? I've taught y'all now for years that a a family trip involves kids, a vacation, what? No kids, right? So we went on a vacation to Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. And uh, if you've never been there, it's a theme park, and the theme park has these different kind of themed areas. And one of the themed areas is themed from the movie series Harry Potter. Uh, I don't know how many of you are Potterheads, how many of you are familiar with this concept, but it's by far one of the most popular parks. And so you go to that area, and it's themed really well. It's decorated like, you know, the different areas in the movie. And one of the things that is most attractive to people is you can go in and you can get an interactive wand, all right. So again, if you haven't seen this movie, it's kind of about wizards and that kind of deal. If, if you're not into that, that's fine. But I'm, I'm just giving you some context. And so you, you get a wand and they're interactive. And so you can kind of go through different areas of the park and you stand in these areas. And when you get the wand, it comes with a map. And I'm telling you, my wife's really into this stuff, so she's going to these different areas, and you know, you make certain movements, and stuff moves, like you can take your wand and spell an H or whatever, and all of a sudden, this plant grows, or this pot tips over, and it's, it's cool, right? I mean, it's, it's for the kids, it's for the kids, but they kind of go through an experience, and it's awesome, and everybody loves it. I, I've never participated in it, and one of the reasons is because those wands cost like $70, and, and I know it's not real, and it's not worth $70, right? And so we've never experienced it, but um, we were there with some friends. We went with Scout and his wife, Amber, and we're, we're going to the park, and Amber, as well, is really into Harry Potter. And so there's this thing you can do. You can either buy a wand that is then like a different character in the movie, or you can go through this experience where they pick somebody in the audience and the wand chooses them. So we go into this experience just for fun, just to have a good time. And so we're standing in there and they pick this little girl and the little girl goes up to the counter and the wand master or whatever his name is, you know, starts starts taking her through the process. And she's he's picking this wand that has unicorn hair and it's made out of this and that, you know, and she's she's waving it and the whole building starts to fall apart. And he's like, whoa, whoa, that's the wrong wand, you know, and he takes it from her and picks another wand and gives it to her. And, you know, she tries something and this thing breaks and he's like, oh, that's the wrong wand. And then he goes, oh, this one and he hands it to her and when her hands touch it the lights in the room go bright and all of a sudden you hear this sound effect that goes and air starts to you know and and it's just like you can hear everybody in there going like oh that's so awesome and he's like the wand has chosen you and now if you go out that direction you can purchase it for $69.99 you know that whole deal (laughs) And, and, and Scout was just like, wow, that's so cool. And I heard my wife say, because uh, Scout was like, man, that would have been cool if, you know, if, if they would have done it to me. And my wife said, yeah, they, they normally only pick kids, right? It makes sense. And so as we're walking out, the the wand master was close to us. And so, you know, me being me, I just leaned over and I said, I wonder what kind of wand would have chose me. You know, i just thinking, you know, it's just funny. I just kind of in case you want to use me, you know. And he says, what's your name? I said, Troy. He said, come here, Troy. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm a kid. You know what I mean? And so I walked over, and, and he, he goes, you know, you look, you know, he starts naming all this stuff black oak wood, you know, with I uh, I don't even know what he said, some kind of string of something. And, and he hands me the wand, and as I touch the, now my wife's already started videoing, all right? I'll put it on Facebook later. And so, so as, as, actually, it's already on there. And so as the wand touches my hand, the lights Come on, all right? All of a sudden, it gets bright, and wind starts blowing. You can see my shirt moving, and it's, oh, and I'm just sitting there holding it. My wife's like, he's a believer. he's a believer. <laughs> like, settle down. Um, because here's what I knew is now i got to buy that wand, right? Like, it was no way I wasn't buying that wand. But it was a fun experience. We walked out, and later on that day, I was thinking, uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if every time we were chosen to do something, that response happened. You know what I mean? Like, like if all of a sudden you saw a girl that you thought you might marry, and when you, when you met her, it was like, oh. Some of you like, it was. Like I remember, you know. Or like, you know, you, you filled out a job application, and when they called you back and you answered the phone, and you said, hello, all of a sudden all the lights in the house went on. You know, just like a moment where you were like certain that you were called to do this. Or, or like when God picks you to do something. When God calls you to a certain ministry or a certain church or a certain activity. Or like when Hodge came to me and said, you know, what we could do 40 kids. What if all of a sudden the lights went on in the YMCA? You know, and it was just like, whoa! Like, like there was just this moment where we were like, it's clear that God wants to do this through us. That's not the case, right? And, and at one point or another in our life, y'all, we have all found ourselves in a place where we felt inadequate. We, we've all found ourselves in a place where we thought maybe we were unqualified, unworthy. And maybe it's because of a certain past that we've experienced. Maybe it's because of a present shortcoming. You know, maybe it's because of a nature that we can't seem to kick. Maybe it's because of something in our past that we're hoping never really gets brought up. But, but there's something, right? There, there's something in our life that because of us, there's been moments where we just felt inadequate. And, and what happens is we start to secretly have feelings of insufficiency and incompetence. And as a result, we start to wonder if we really measure up. You ever been there? Last week, I was talking to you about if you've ever been a believer in doubt. And it was funny. I felt like everybody in the room was there. And I'm wondering if everybody in the room is here. Finding yourself in places and in moments where you just felt like you were unqualified. I immediately went to Mary. Mary. Did you notice Mary's response when the angel showed up? The Bible said that she was afraid of what this might be about. When the angel shows up on her doorstep and says, Greetings, Mary, the Bible says she immediately was worried. And she was worried, listen to me, because she understood that she wasn't perfect. She was worried because she wasn't sure what the angel was there for, because Mary knew her limitations. I'll give you something better. Mary knew her sins. Mary knew her imperfections. And so when the angel shows up, she starts to wonder, like, what is this actually about? Is the angel here to smite me? Is the angel here to kill me? What has happened? She didn't immediately go, ooh, I must have a great calling of God, because she knew herself. And not only did she know herself, but theologians say she was basically a teenager. So not only is she dealing with bad hair days and face acne, (laughs) but now she's got to carry the savior of the world. You ever thought about how unqualified she must have felt? How unworthy she must have felt? That in that moment for her to understand that you, let me get this straight. You want me, a virgin? You want me? Teenager, you want me a sinner? You you want me, someone who's imperfect, someone who's unworthy, who's unqualified, you want me to carry Jesus? I I believe that there are there are there's a part in in each and every one of us that that really wants God to do something great through us. I believe if, if we sat down and we just had an honest conversation. We would say that, yeah, we, we feel like we were born to do something great. We feel like God, God, we would really love it if God would use us to impact lives. And we'd love to have this experience with God. But we don't know how to move out of an unqualified mindset and into a mindset of how God sees us. Would you love to be used by God? Yes. yes. Would you love to believe that you're qualified to be used by God? Yes. yes. We want to do something great. We all want to be a part of something great. We want to tell testimonies. We want to see life change. We want to know that the God of the universe is working through us. And the Bible says that he is. But we cannot get past the idea that we are unqualified. Because when God brings us an idea, we meet him with our weakness. God, you can't. You can't use me, right? We can't get out of an unqualified mindset, much less get into a mindset of how God sees us. If I could ever really relate to you the way that God sees you, you would have a new understanding on the idea of being unqualified. But what do we do? What do we do with our flaws? Better yet, what do we do with the feeling that our flaws disqualify us? Not just what do you do with your flaws, but what do you do with the idea and the thought that those flaws disqualify you? How how do we embrace the good, the bad, and the unmentionable in our life and let God use our mess? How do you walk out of here today embracing not just the good about you, But the bad about you, and not just the bad about you, but the unmentionable things about you. How do you embrace the things you don't want to talk about, the things that you feel like if anybody knew, they'd never talk to you? How do you embrace these things and walk out of here believing that God is going to use your mess? How do you do it? So I, I, I wanted to preach for a second, and I'm preaching to me and actually, these past three weeks have been to me because I always struggle with unmet expectations. And I always struggle with doubts. And it's, I've just kind of been lucky because you've been in the same boat as me. And so I just figured, as the trifecta, I would hit this one. And I'm preaching to people who think like this God, I'm willing, but I feel unworthy. I'm willing. I want to be used by you. I want to to be in relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to believe in faith with you. I'm willing to do these things. I'm willing to be a Christian. I'm willing to go to church. I'm willing to serve God. I'm willing to believe. But if I'm honest with you, God, I feel unworthy. And I don't quite know how to get past that feeling and move in the calling that you supposedly have over my life. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1 for a second. I want you to pay really close attention to how Mary responds to the angel because we're going to pick it apart a little bit today. The angel of God, there's different times in the Bible. Sometimes there's an angel that is the Lord. It's literally the the presence of God. And then sometimes there's an angel of the Lord, hence Gabriel or something like that. And so she's talking to an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord comes to let her know that God has picked her on purpose. Some of you I thought about writing a whole different message. I was going to title it Picked on Purpose. So so the angel picked her on purpose. God picked her on purpose and the angel shows up to say, God has chosen you and watch how Mary responds. Here's what the angel says. Let's hit that real quick. Sorry. Uh, Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid Mary. Don't fear. For you have found favor with God. God's Favor is on your life. Watch this. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him what? Jesus. Yay, it's the Christmas story. Mary, did you know? (laughs) Mary knew, all right. I'm going to tell you what Mary knew. Mary knew her limitations. Mary knew her unworthiness. Mary knew that she was unqualified. That's what Mary knew. And I'll prove it to you. You are to give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Mary, what do you have to say? Mary says, how? How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary's response to the angel is, how could God do this with my limitations? Mary is being told by an angel that God has a calling on her life and she cannot see past her limitations. I came to preach to somebody in this place this morning that you have literally heard your entire life that God has a calling on your life, that God wants to do something through you, that God loves you, but you cannot see past your limitations. Every time you get close to being in the will that God has for your life, every time you start to knock on the door, you're reminded of what you used to do, you're reminded of what you still want to do, you're reminded of what you're afraid that you will one day do again, and you cannot get past your weakness, and so you cannot embrace what God has for your life. And just when you think you might be, you start comparing yourself to other people, and then you feel again like you're not. See, here's the revelation I've had over the past few years. My biggest struggle with believing that God will do what he promised is not with God. It's with me. And I would like to believe that with you, your biggest struggle in believing that God's going to do what he promised is not with God. It's with you. We constantly deal with this voice in our head that tells us that we don't qualify that we will never qualify, and therefore, we are disqualified, right, it's just this constant, anybody got this same tape on replay, just on loop, remember when you had, when you were growing up, I don't know if, uh, we used to have these things called CDs, all right, they were, they, they were, CDs, they put music on them, and you could put them in your Walkman, how many people remember a Walkman, we got any Walkman people in here, all right, we get walkers next, that's where we are in life, all right, um, but that Walkman had that repeat button. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? And you could pick, because every CD had like two songs that were good. So you paid $20 for a CD, and you got two songs. Y'all, Those of you, this generation, y'all are so lucky. Uh, and so we would get the CD, and we just put that one song on repeat, and it would just repeat over and over and over. And I don't know about you, but, but somehow, for some reason, every time I get in a place where I want to believe that God's going to do something great in my life, or great through me, all of a sudden that same song gets put on repeat. That I do not not qualify, that I will never qualify, and therefore I am disqualified. Our natural tendency, listen to me, is to focus on who we are not, and what we cannot do, and where we feel we have already failed. I got to say it again, our natural tendency is to focus on who we are not, what we cannot do, and ultimately where we feel like we have already failed. And by focusing on those weaknesses, we can inhibit ourselves from living the life that God's called us to. I don't know if you saw it, but I want to show you something. When the angel shows up to Mary's house and starts talking about this calling that God has on her life, Mary disqualifies herself with one single phrase. Now, we've heard this for so many years depending on how long you've been saved. But it really doesn't have anything to do with your faith because Christmas is always about the concept of a virgin birth. We're always going to hear about Mary and and the the immaculate conception. We're always going to be used to this concept. But what we don't ever really pay attention to is that Mary used one single phrase to disqualify herself from an entire calling of God. All right, Here's the calling of God. Here's the mission of God. Here's how God's going to use you. And Mary says, how? since I'm a virgin this is this is one single phrase and if we're not careful we will jump over it some churches won't talk about it simply because it has the word virgin earlier I was doing my mic test and 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 I was reading Erica was going through different verses and I was just reading verses to test my mic and, and Andrew said I need you to get loud you know how you get loud preaching say something loud and the verse just happened and I went I'm a virgin really awkward. <laughs> Brian was in the room, he was like, don't do that. <laughs> but we're even at a point in, in, in Christian culture where we can't even talk about this because of that word. But, but come on, let's lean in for a second. God's calling on her life was to carry in the Savior of the world. And she disqualified herself with one single phrase. How, God? Since I am a virgin. Now, that may not mean much to you now, but here's why I'm telling you that. Because we do the same thing. Because we have an ability, or better yet, a tendency, to disqualify ourselves with one single phrase, it just has a different ending. Let let, let me give you some examples. How, God, since I am unworthy. How, God, since I am imperfect. How, God, since I am a sinner. How, God, since I don't pray enough. How, God, since I don't fully understand Scripture. How, God, when I'm too young. How, God, when I'm too old. How, God, when I'm divorced. How, God, when I'm single. How, God, when I can't have kids. How, God, when I don't have a job. How, God, when I'm broke. You see what I mean? It's one single phrase. The ending's different, but it's always one single phrase that we constantly use, and I actually see it with blanks. I wrote it down for you. I want you to see it. It looks like, whoops, sorry. It looks like this. How, God, and then whatever it is he's calling you to do, since I am our weakness in reasoning. You know, God's going to heal your marriage. How are you going to heal my marriage since I, and then whatever our weakness is. I'm going to provide for you financially. How are you going to provide for me financially? since I, and then whatever our limitation is. You see what I mean? I I needed you to be able to see that. I'm going to put it back here for a second. I needed you to be able to, to grasp that phrase in the way we use it. Because we just pass right over it because Mary was so specific to her. But we use it and make it specific to us. And it becomes one, you know what, I was, I was studying early this week, and I, I, all of a sudden I read this, and I was like, I never thought about that before. But she interrupted the angel. Let me tell you what I mean. She said, how could this be? Scripturally, you'll see it. How could this be? And it stops. And then it says, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. So it was two separate statements. She started with, how could this be? And I think the angel started to explain to her how God's going to do it. And before he could explain it, she interrupted him with her limitations. Sometimes God tells us he wants to do something. And we say, how, God, because God is beyond our understanding. And when God starts to try to show us how he's going to do it through scripture, through prophecy, through different things that are happening, when God starts to show us how, we interrupt God's how with our weakness. Like this, watch. When we assume that who we are limits what God can do, we will try to interrupt his will for our weakness. When we think that God's ability is dependent on us, when we think what God can do through us is dependent on how we are acting, we will start to interrupt God's calling, God's will on our life. We will interrupt it with our weakness. God's going to do something great. How? When I'm da 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 I think God's going to provide. How? When I'm We were at the theme park. And when any time that we go to do anything, especially vacation wise, my wife does all of the research in advance. Like she's just a crazy, crazy amount of research. She'll she'll know all, here's where we're going to eat. Here's where we're going to stay. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what's closed. Anyone go to a theme park. She'll be like, here's the rides that are open. Here's the rides that are closed. So we're standing in the airport. And for those of you that don't know Scout, Scout is very tall. I don't don't know the exact height. It's like, let's just say six something. All right. He's really tall, six, seven, six, eight, maybe six eleven. I don't know, but he's tall. And we're standing in the airport. And, and he's never been to Universal Studios theme park before. So me and his wife and my wife, we have. So we're all excited to see it through his eyes, right? It's kind of like someone who's been saved for a long time and has lost the excitement about being saved by Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden they get around somebody who's new to faith and that newness jumps off on them. And then we're reminded that we're sinners saved by grace and that we should be excited about Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Side sermon. Okay. So we're, we're in the airport. And we're talking about it. He's getting excited, and we're getting excited about his excitement. And, and, and he starts talking about the different roller coasters, different rides. And Darla says, oh, 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 by the way, some of the rides you can't ride. And he said, why? And she said, you're too tall. She looked up his height, you know, asked him for his height, looked up what it said. And she said, there, there's just some rides that you can ride. And he, all of a sudden, he got bummed. You know, he's like, oh, man, that stinks. And she's like, but there's so many rides that you can ride. But, but it's just, just a couple of rides that you can't ride. Well, then, you know, we went on about our business. We flew there. We got Uber, went to the hotel, checked in. We get to the park, and we're walking into this particular park, and this ride is right at the entrance, and it's really tall, and it's this ride that kind of, it goes up really slow, and then it turns over. It's called the Rip Riding Rocket, all right? That's what it's called. We walk in, and it's the first ride you see, and Scout goes, oh, I want to ride that, and Darla goes, you (laughs) can't. Just killed every excitement he had in his body. And he's like, what? And she goes, that's the ride. That's one of the rides that says you're too tall. And he's like, oh, why am I too tall? She's like, I don't know. Maybe if you put your hands up in the air, you lose your arms or something. Like, I don't know, but you can't do it. And he's like, man. So she's like, all right, we can go to other rides. So we go to this ride, and we ride this ride, we go to this ride, and we ride this ride. Now we're in a different part of the park, but you can see a different part of the track of that same ride, the Rip Ride and Rocket. It comes out over the park, and we're standing in line. And he goes, ooh, look at that ride. He said, next, I want to ride that ride. And Darla says, you can't. <laughs> Dream killer, right? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I can't. She goes, that's that same ride. Remember, you can't ride. You're, you're too tall. And he's like, man. So we go, and we keep riding rides. And then we get in line to get some food, and we got a while to wait. And we're standing there. And we're outside, standing in line to get some food. And we're in the eye view of the Rip Riding Rocket. And Scout looks at me. He looks at the ride, and he looks at me, and he goes, I'm just going to go see. And I was like, what? He said, maybe, maybe Darla's wrong. And I was like, well, it's never happened before. <laughs> but today's the day, right? New mercies every morning. And so he said, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go check. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go check. Because the last thing you want to do is, is go this entire trip, not riding a ride, that you are clearly able to ride. You know what I mean? So he runs over there for a minute and he comes back and he's got a big old grin on his face. And we said, what happened? And he said, they said I could ride it. And I said, they said you can ride it? I said, yeah. So we looked at the girls and we said, y'all stand in line for food. And then we took off and got on the ride. Listen to me. Now, that, now, you're like, okay, great. You had a good time. But listen to me. Sometimes we're walking around not experiencing things because we think we're disqualified. Because somebody told us we couldn't do it, right? Because of something that we had done or something that we will do. And they say you're disqualified. But come to find out. We are actually not disqualified. And the important thing for us to do is instead of just assuming that that phrase disqualifies us, but instead to ask God, seek the face of God, instead of walking around life missing out on something that we should be able to experience. Here's the message I came to preach to somebody in this room. You have been going through life not expecting God to be close or influential because you think something you did disqualified you. Somebody told you you're too tall. And every time something great happens, you go, Oh, I want to do that, and somebody goes, you can't. You can't. And it's incorrect. You are not disqualified because of who you are. I would even challenge you to understand that who you are actually moves you into a position of being more qualified because you are righteous, because he's righteous, not because of you. And as much as I wanted Darla to be wrong in that moment, and as much as you've been wanting people to be wrong about that, I am here to let you know they are. I watched him. When we went, we went and ran over there together, and we got ready to get in line, and we were about to get on the seat, and they said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on!" And they grabbed him and they said, "You're tall. We need to check your height." And both of our hearts dropped, because we thought, "Oh, we were going to get all excited, and here it goes." You know those moments in life where you get all excited, because you think something has finally changed, and you find out that you're right back in that, and you go right back into that attitude of, "I'm disqualified." Because we keep trying to look at our height, our stature, instead of recognizing that we're not judged by that, we're judged by him. So he gets into that thing, and sure enough, he said, we get on the ride, oh, we have a blast. And I regretted it, because he made me ride it like six times. (laughs) It's like, I wish you were too tall. The biggest problem is that we think that God is mad at us for our mistakes. We think, that he's disappointed. we think that he's disappointed in us because we display weakness. And if that's our view of God, our weaknesses will drive us away from God instead of towards him. Our weaknesses, the goal is for them to drive us closer to God. But when we think God is disappointed in those weaknesses... When we think that God expects us to perform in a way that we all know that we can't, we will assume that God is angry at us. We will assume that God is, you know what I'm mad about? Can I tell you what I'm mad about? Totally off topic. I was in a store the other day, and that Santa Claus song came on. You know what I'm talking about? Santa Claus, I think it's that one, coming to town. The one where it says, you know, you better be good. You know what I'm talking about? Checking, you know, you better be good. He's got a list, and he's checking it twice. I think we were like in Cracker Barrel. And I was just standing there. uh, This is totally pet peeve of mine. I'm standing there just waiting for my kids to get a toy, and I'm listening to a song, and I'm like, how wrong is that? We've literally been bathing our children in law in the concept of Santa Claus. You better be good. Guess what? You can't be good. But you know what? I'm just preaching to you from a parent. Never once have my kids woken up on Christmas morning and ran into the living room and went, where are the presents? And I went, well, you weren't good. Because if I did that, we would never have Christmas. Right? And so there's just this understanding in our mind, and we start to connect God to Santa Claus. And we start to assume that as long as we're good, And God wants to be with us, and that God is checking us, and I'm starting to, I'm moving more and more into a realm that wants to completely get rid of that mindset, and understand that anything that's imperfect about me is supposed to move me towards God, not away from God. It's supposed to make me want to lean on. Listen to me. God knows everything about you He knows your fears, he knows your limitations, he knows your weaknesses, yet he desires to use you anyway. And here's why. Because the more limited you are, the more evident that it is the Lord. What if the thing that Mary mentioned as a weakness, the thing that disqualified her, is actually the thing that qualified her to begin with? Because according to Old Testament prophecy, it had to be what? A virgin. virgin. What if the thing that we've been saying disqualifies us, actually qualifies us to begin with? Because once God starts to do something great in us, it becomes more evident that it is the Lord. Because it's happening despite our weakness. So I'm marinating on all this. And I'm like, man, Mary disqualified herself with one single phrase. How, God, since I'm a virgin? And I'm praying about it. I'm thinking through it. And I'm trying to put myself in Mary's shoes. And I know how, how often it is that I do that. Let's just make sure real quick that I am talking to the right people. Have you ever disqualified yourself with one single phrase? All right, cool. Just want to make sure we were on the right page. So I'm trying to figure out. I'm in Mary's shoes. And all of a sudden, I had this thought. Knowing God the way that I know him, is it possible that he gave Mary a different phrase in the beginning in preparation to be able to combat against the phrase she would try to use to disqualify herself? Is it possible that God, being all-knowing, all-sufficient, would know that Mary would try to disqualify herself with a phrase of her weakness. So is it possible that God sent a phrase in advance to try to help her know before you even try to disqualify yourself, here's why that doesn't matter. And so I went back to Luke chapter 1 and I started reading again. And this time, I was looking for something. One single phrase... That would overshadow the other single phrase. And here's what Luke 1 said. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And that virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. Now, the first time I read that, I just read over it really quickly. I read it kind of like a natural. You know how we're, we're in, a, in a time in our culture where we say things like, I love you, or we say things like, hey, how you doing? But we just kind of, we, we say it. We don't actually expect you to respond to it. You know what I mean? It's just like, how you doing? We keep on moving. So I read that as just kind of a natural greeting. Like it's just just a, greetings. Da-da-da. But when you start thinking about Mary and where she is in her disqualification, and you go back and you read that phrase, you start to understand the weight and the power that is in that phrase. That the angel said, greetings. Before, gre- Mary started, Mary, don't say nothing. Before you say anything, Let me tell you this, you are highly favored and God is with you. Sometimes, sometimes we get so overwhelmed with what we're going into that we forget who we're going into it with, right? We can be so focused on what we're walking into that we forget who it is that we're walking into it with. One more story from this universal trip, and then I'll wrap this up for you. Amber, Scout's wife, is pregnant, so she couldn't ride any of the rides. We planned this trip long before we knew she was pregnant. And so as we're getting ready to go on this trip, we're, we're talking, and we're like, man, this is going to be kind of upsetting because you know, she's not going to be able to ride any of the rides. So we would go to the shows together, but then when we'd get on a ride, she would stay in the line with us the whole time. We'd talk, chat, laugh, and then when we got up to the part that lets you in to get on the ride, she would go to, like, the family room, and we would get on the ride, and then we would ride the ride, and then we'd get off the ride and get back with her. And at first, at first it was kind of tough, because it was kind of sad, because it was like, man, we're going to go do the fun part, and you're going to go sit over there. And then the more we did this, the more we found out she was actually enjoying it, because she was getting off her feet... <laughs> And watching some kind of movie in the family room or whatever it might be. But here's what's the funniest part. If you've ever been to a theme park, especially something like Disney or Universal, you end up having all this stuff, right? You got a cup and a popcorn bucket and you got toys, and, you know, souvenirs. And you go to get on these rides. And when you go to get on these rides, the people will actually stop you at the gate and they'll go, hey, 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 you can't get on the ride. You, 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 need, to, you need to put that stuff in a locker, and any time we've ever done this, this is what you do. You walk up, and they go, no, no, you've got to put that stuff in a locker. You'd have to get out of line. You'd have to go over to the lockers, put it in the lockers with all the other people. And you'd have to come back over and get back in line. And it was a process. And every time we went on a ride, every time it never failed, we'd come up to the front gate. And they go, hey, hey, because we had refilled cups and souvenirs. And they'd say, hey, hey, you've got to put that in the locker. And every time, here's what we said, she's not riding. And immediately they would go, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And so we keep on, we go in and we get about halfway in, there'd be another employee and they go, Hey, hey, you gotta go back and put that. We go, she's not riding. Then we go, Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And so we would give her, you know what I mean? We get we give her that stuff. And I just thought it was interesting that, like, at first, what we had mattered until they found out who we were with. Does that make sense? The baggage that we were carrying mattered. We couldn't come in with all of our baggage until they found out who we were with. And all of a sudden, when they found out who we were with, they understood. Watch this, church. They understood she could carry our baggage. So everything we were coming in with, we could give to her, and it was okay for us to proceed. I came to tell you something. It doesn't matter what you're carrying. It matters who you're with. If you're with him, he can carry your baggage. I was gonna say it at the end, but I'm gonna say it now. When Mary gave her disqualification phrase, here's what she was saying. I'm not qualified to carry him. Here's what God said. That's okay. You're not carrying him, he's carrying you. <laughs> I carry, how can I carry him for I am a, it doesn't matter. Cause you're not carrying him. He's carrying you. Every person in this room that's ever walked up to something and everybody told you you can't come in here with all of that stuff. And so you sadly turned around and you walked away assuming you had to clean yourself up before you could ever get access to God. It's always been and it will always be about him who you are with. Your ability to get, take your baggage and let him carry it so that you can continue to move forward. I'm marinating over this phrase. How, God, for I am. I started thinking about this. The, the answer to our lack of qualification is to not to continue to try to qualify. I'll say it again. The answer to our lack of qualification is not to continue to try to qualify. Or we will be in a constant Cycle that repeats over and over again that we cannot achieve. The answer is to understand that while your limitations are legitimate, they are also leverage. I, I, can I teach for a second on this? I've off, been off the notes a lot today. We're going to get off for a second again. Her limitations were legitimate, she was a virgin. It wasn't an insult. It wasn't gossip. This was really her weakness. This was really her limitation. This was really her excuse to not being used by God. I think some of you need to hear this. Your limitation, it may very well be legitimate. Your weakness may very well be a weakness. But it doesn't disqualify you. It actually becomes leverage for God to use to move into a place where now it's guaranteed that it must be God. So, back to this for a second. Do my best to show this to everybody because when you preach a message like this, you have to be careful not to let people out of here on an illustration. Because we can hoot and holler over the idea that God carries our baggage, and we can hand it off to him. Ooh, yeah, it's awesome. God's great. Woo! let's go ride the ride. And you walk out of here, and there's nothing real foundational to stand it on. And the very first time that you come back into contact with your insecurity, with your failure, with your weakness, with your limitation all you have is an illustration to stand on and that's not weight weighted enough it's not strong enough and so you start to break down again and you return into that cycle of whether or not you are qualified to be able to experience God and have a relationship with God and be used by God so it's important for me I just as I'm writing this message my, my prayer was this God I don't want them to walk out on a, on an emotional illustration I love the crying and I love the hooting and the hollering, but I want them to walk out with something, something foundational, something that they could write on a piece of paper and put it on the refrigerator, something that would be so obvious, real and impactful that moving forward, when we start talking about God using you and loving you and moving in your life and the devil all of a sudden wants to swoop in and make you say, how God, since I am blank, there would be something you could fight with. I wanted to give you something you could fight with. You know what I mean? You can't fight with a universal story. It's like fighting in a sword fight when it went on plastic knives. Like, it's great, but it ain't going to win. I wanted to give you something to fight with. So go back to, to Luke chapter 1, that verse 28, where the angel said to Mary, You are highly favored, and God is with you. So I started thinking about it like this. How, God? How can I do it? How can it be done? How? Well, you can do it because God is with you. How, God? How can I? The angel said, Here's how you do it because God is with you. Now, that is where the the illustration came from. We can get on the ride because Amber's with us, right? We can get, we can do what God's, because God is with us. How, God? Because the Lord is with you. But that's not enough. Because our rebuttal to God is I understand that God's with me but have you seen me lately? I understand that God's with me, but does he really want to be with me? Is he, is he kind of, you know what I mean? Like he's with me. You know, like those awkward high school dating, like we're together, but yeah, do we want to be? You know what I mean? Like, is it, like God's here, but does he want to be? But he said that you're highly favored from the Lord. And when you start breaking down what that word means, here's what it means. Endowed by grace. So, an excuse, here, I'll do this. Andrew told me we're going to get me something better to write on in 2023. That's what your purpose for bells money goes to. Just kidding. How? God is with you. But I am endowed by grace. How can you? God is with you but I'm unworthy, you're endowed by grace. How God is with you, but I am grace. How God is with you, but I grace. How God is with you, but I grace. Make sense? How we're going to try this again because half of y'all just woke up. Ready? How but I how but I you see what I mean? Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Worship team, come up here for a second. I thought I'd give you a Christmas present. To me, this is the absolute best Christmas present you'll ever get. Is to realize. That you are justified by faith. To realize that you are endowed by grace. To realize that the answer to your question, how God, is that He's with you. And that His response to your phrase of your weakness and your limitations and your imperfections is His grace. Is there a better way to sum up a year than to walk out of here and understand that the single phrase that we've been using for years to disqualify us, God has already given us a rebuttal to remind us that we are qualified in him. Two more quick things, we'll pray. I wanted to read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 to you. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our what? Weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. One more quick thing. One more quick thing. Look at me. I know it's a lot of so it's a lot of scripture coming at you today, but I, but I need you to be able to digest it. We're we're big kids. We're big kids. When the angel was talking to Mary, okay, I tell you what. Throw, throw me that original scripture up real quick. I want I want y'all to see it, the, the the whole thing. Sorry, Paul. I know you had to go all the way. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Ah, oh, this is it. All right, you ready? Lean in. Lean in. Get focused. Get focused. Here's the angel talking to Mary about Jesus, who she's about to give birth to, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. Watch this. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Watch this. He will be what? Great. He will be what? Great. Now, wait a minute. Paul, did you mess up my scripture? Did you, where does it say I will be great? Where does it say Mary will be great? What does it say? Who will be great? When did you need to be? When did we need to be? All we have to be? Is covered in grace and willing to be used, available, arms open, humbled, knees on the ground, honest, real. Come on, is there one real person in this room? One real person that says, Look, I am what I am. I'm broken. I'm unworthy. I'm unqualified. I'm insufficient. I'm inadequate, but he is great. He's great. And all I am is a conduit for the presence of God and the spirit of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God to be able to move and change lives. We aren't carrying him. He's carrying us. This Christmas, spoiler alert, you're not worthy. Spoiler alert number two, you're unqualified. But it's never mattered before, and it will never matter moving forward. You don't need to be great. He already is. All you gotta do is reflect the goodness of God. We're not worthy, he's worthy, amen? We're not, Jeff, real quick, take this in a... you had us at the beginning singing how worthy God is. I'm gonna come back to prayer in a second, but right now we just need a moment. We need to be able to proclaim the worthiness of God, the worthiness of God. Close your eyes for a second, come on. It's not us, it's him. It's not us, hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. Come on,
1: begin to tell him right now, you're worthy. Worthy Jesus. You deserve praise.
0: a message like this it starts to open up the mind and the eyes of people that are in the room and there will be people who have avoided giving their heart to Christ because they thought they had to be good before they could ever experience salvation they thought they had to be clean before they could come to the one who ultimately does the cleaning and so I just want to give an opportunity real quick because if you're in this room you're either saved and you believe in Jesus Christ and you understand that his sacrifice on the cross Washed you of your sins and you can walk out of here today confident that you are endowed by grace and that God is with you But if you've never given your heart to Christ If there's never been a moment where you said you know what God I know I'm a sinner And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I Believe that it's what he did on the cross that is the grace that covers me and because of what he did It's not about what I do the Bible says you believe in your heart you confess with your mouth and you will be saved so I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you that if you're in this room you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior I want you to pray with me and then after this service at some point I'd love for you to talk to me and one of our team members we'd love to be able to walk you a little bit further through it for every person that is saved When we get done praying this prayer and you grab your purse and you start walking out of this room, I want you to walk in a confidence that understands that God is with you and that you are endowed by grace. Father, we pray right now for any person in this room that's never accepted you as their Savior. We believe what it says in John three sixteen that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That our sins were red as scarlet, but because of what you did on the cross, we are now white as snow. For any person that's been hesitant to praying that prayer, following you, or completely surrendering to you because they thought they weren't worthy or unqualified, I pray that that has been a distant thought as of today. If you're in this place right now, just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe I was a sinner that could not save myself. And that Jesus died for my sins. And that by believing in him, I am saved. That by believing in him, my sins are washed clean. And that I can spend eternity in heaven with you, God. I believe, Jesus, that you are my Savior. And I will follow you. As you lead me through all of my life. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.